When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Let's ride. Time for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What's going on, everyone? Thank you for tuning in to the incline. The Dodgers have advanced to the NLCS after making quick work of the Scam Diego Padres or the Sham Diego, whatever you want to call them. David Rosenthal, how's it going? Going good, Kevin. Uh, That was a fun series to watch. Uh, Game one was a little nervous because it's game one but after that I felt confident going forward and I knew they weren't going to lose that series uh obviously game two was the fireworks but that was that was just pure enjoyment uh in the uh airplane hangar of the stadium yeah we'll start with the good stuff and then do the bad stuff later but introducing Jake Reiner too what's up what's up Kevin yeah so I'm I'm super happy that we were able to dispatch the Padres I think that for the Dodgers en route to the World Series. This was the toughest matchup by far. I think that this, like we were saying on our on our last podcast, it this is the what we just witnessed was the true NLCS. And I'm not saying that the Braves are a cakewalk, but they're certainly not as good, I think, as the Padres. Well, we'll see about that. We're going to talk about the Braves in a little bit. But first, we got to recap this Padres series because – it was kind of a blowout. I don't really know how else to put it. Other than game two, this series was not close. The Padres fans talked a lot of smack online. Oh, David yes, ha- they did. David has the receipt, so you can follow him on Twitter at the underscore Real D Rose to see what we're talking about. But of the tweets that didn't get deleted, because I'm sure there were a lot, the Dodgers just decimated this team. And, I mean, yeah, other than game two, it wasn't close. Uh the Dodgers in game three alone outscored the Padres for the entire series, if I'm not mistaken. Absolutely. Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, what, what do we start with? Fernando Tatis Jr., he went two for 11. Manny Machado, two for 12. Eric Hosmer, two for 13. Will Myers, one for 10. As a team, the Padres hit three for 23 with runners in scoring position. And then you guys can poke some fun at this. They were – I don't know what they were doing in game three, but they would rather lose not pitching Chris Paddock than to take a shot and have him go a few innings for them. So, I mean, I liked that they got to Zach Davies pretty early on. And then in game one, um, Clevenger, what a disaster that was. I kind of said in a best case scenario, he'd go like an inning and that's exactly what happened. Foolish to even start him to begin with. And I think that kind of set the tone for the rest of the series their bullpen was scrambling from that point on and they just never were able to really recover. If you listen to our last podcast, I got to say, we got a lot of things right and we're not here to brag, but you missed out if you didn't hear what we had to say. So let's hear some of your guys' thoughts. What were your takeaways, favorite moments, et cetera? Well, I think on the, on the Chris Paddock front, I think there's something that manager Jace Tingler knows that most Padre fans don't, which is that he's not that good. So I don't <laughs> Can you say think that again. Can you say that again for everybody? He's, he's not that good. That's so correct. In a do or die game. I don't blame them for not bringing in Chris Paddock because the Dodgers, as we outlined in our previous episode, destroy him. So the fact that he didn't make it into the game was only upsetting to Dodgers fans. I can assure you that um, if you look at his numbers, but I thought that given the, given the Padres' injuries on their pitching staff, I, I felt like we obviously weren't facing them at full strength, but we were facing their offense at full strength, and they came into this series red hot, and the Dodgers' pitching was able to neutralize 
all of them, including Machado and Tatis. And there were a few moments that I thought really defined the entire series. One of them being the second inning in game one where Walker Bueller had the bases loaded yep. and one out. And he struck out Jerickson Profar, followed by Trent Grisham. And what that did for momentum's sake is that early on in game one, the Padres had the opportunity to just, you know, kind of open up a huge lead. And they weren't able to do that because Bueller shut them down. And what it also did was it allowed Bueller to face Tatis Jr. and Machado with the bases empty. That's huge. When you, when you take those guys out of the equation, they don't have the momentum that they need to build their offense. And that's what their offense is built upon, is momentum. The same thing happened in game three with, with Urias. He was able to strike out Tatis Jr. with the bases loaded and, in the second inning again. And yep. that turned out to be the only threat that they had the entire game to actually score some runs. So that was huge. And then... My last point overall, as I think that this Dodgers team is proving so far to, as David uh, consistently puts it, is Dave Dave Roberts proof. Because he made some moves in that series that would have crushed previous Dodgers teams in the past. And this Dodgers team was able to overcome them. Yeah, I mean, Jake, you you hit the nail on the head with the two turning points of the series. Um, that's basically exactly what I was going to say. But the one thing I do want to point out is in game one, while they were getting no hit for five or whatever innings, those guys were putting together some phenomenal at-bats. Uh, their, their plate discipline and their eyes in this series have been – in that series was phenomenal. Uh, Muncy particular had some of the best at-bats I've seen him have all season. Uh, he's hitting the ball well. Everyone was hitting the ball well. Uh, and especially in uh, game three, I, I haven't seen that many hard hits from a Dodgers lineup in, in a long time. Uh, and while some of them weren't falling, like a couple, you know, Will Smith deep flyouts and some other deep flyouts, AJ Pollock had one. Um, they're hitting line drives and, and they're starting to find the gaps now. They're doing the little things. Uh, obviously, Julio Arias, I think, has been the MVP of the entire playoffs for the Dodgers thus far. Uh, and like you said, that Bueller strikeout in game one, two of them, and then Arias striking out Tatis with the bases loaded uh, was, was basically the, the play of the series. You know, obviously Bellinger's home run and Bellinger's rob of Tatis are going to get the headlines. But in reality, you can't sleep on those plays. You just can't. It changed the whole game. Yeah. And Padres fans were kind of bitching that Tatis Jr.'s home run would have been a home run in Dodger Stadium. Well, the reality is the Dodgers hit probably six long flyouts that would have been home runs. Yeah, we can't, they stadium. can't play that game. It's a, it's a two-way street. <laughs> right. So what's kind of funny is the first game, I was hating Globe Life Field. I was like, this park is robbing us of all kinds of runs. Mookie Betts probably would have hit a grand slam. Will Smith lost two home runs easily along with other guys like Muncie. But then I kind of thought about it and I was like, this ballpark is actually a huge advantage for the Dodgers because these teams don't have the depth in their lineup like we do. And I mean, if the Dodgers who had the most home runs in baseball are hitting home runs in this ballpark, then honestly, I don't see any other team hitting home runs in this ballpark. And what the Dodgers have shown now is that they can actually string together a bunch of hits. And I don't see the opposition doing that against our elite pitching staff whatsoever other than one guy who we'll talk about in a little bit but yeah and one quick point on that the Atlanta Braves have never been inside this ballpark and we've we played there in the regular season and now we've played there three games in the uh, playoffs uh, so this that's a huge advantage we the hitters know how it plays now the outfielders are, are getting a sense of how you know the balls bounce off the wall etc uh, so that's a big advantage and the only other team in the playoffs who's, who's played there is the Houston Astros um, and frankly, I would, I would love to see a World Series rematch, but we can get into that a little later. And then Bellinger robbing the Tossie Jr. home run. I mean, we have to really just appreciate how epic of a catch that really was. It changed the entire game. And oh, series, yeah. too. And well, yeah. and, 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 and Bellinger, too, like, you know, he obviously, you know, hit a, hit a solo homer, right? And then yeah. robbed a two-run homer. So he was the entire difference in that game. 
because if he doesn't hit the home run and he doesn't rob the home run, then they lose because uh, Kenley Jansen had a meltdown in the ninth inning. So it, it was one of the most epic catches. And I think the, one of the coolest parts about it, watching it like a thousand times, is the fact that like everybody, I, I would assume, everybody watching it was like, oh my God, oh my God, is he going to catch it? Yeah. Bellinger knew the entire time that yeah. he was going to make this catch. He was so confident that when he made contact with the ball, he already had his finger, his, his offhand, pointed to, the, pointed to the skies as if to say, I got it, before he even came back down to the ground. It was just such a baller move. And what in one of the best catches in Dodgers history. Yeah, it almost looked like they practiced that kind of stuff. He just knew exactly where to put his hand to give himself the elevation to make that catch. But there's even more that I want to talk about involving this play as well. First of all, Manny Machado, he's a little bitch. And he does the bat throw after hitting a home run off Clayton Kershaw. They were still trailing, and it was literally a solo home run. He acts like he hit one of those grand slams over-the-top celebration, if you ask me. But then, Brewstar Gratterall, who was the pitcher in that situation. Love him. Love him. Yeah, the, the energy he brings alone is was worth that Maeda trade, just because you need a hype man on your team or anywhere. The hype man, it's a real thing. So he throws the glove. He throws his hat in the air. He's celebrating. Manny Machado just yelling and crying at him, looking like the little bitch that he is. I mean – it just kind of was an entire reflection of how big sore losers this Padres team was between the Grissom stare down a few weeks ago. But here's the, the thing. Guy, yeah. Here's the thing. If, and, and I'm all for over the top celebrations. I love it. I think it's great. But if you're going to do it yourselves and the San Diego Padres, I think celebrate the most out of any team in the major leagues you would have thought that they'd won the World Series 10 times over this year already. If, you're, if we're going to allow that to happen, if we're all cool with that, then you got to be cool with everything. And you don't, you don't get to bark at Bruce Targratterall for throwing his glove and throwing his hat. Cody Bellinger saved his life. Like that, that would have been you know, a catastrophe had that ball gone over the wall. Who knows what would have happened. It was in the seventh inning late. The momentum would have shifted towards the Padres. Who knows what would have happened from, then, from there on out. And for Machado to just to, to absolutely forget what happened when he hit the home run off Kershaw and for him to forget what Grisham did when he hit a home run off Kershaw in the regular season is just – you know, it just makes him look bad. It makes him look like a hypocrite because he is. Yeah. Uh, look, it's pretty simple. If you're going to celebrate, you're going to pimp home runs, you're going to do jumping jacks outside the dugout when your team gets a single, uh, you can't complain when the other team celebrates. It's that simple. It's, you know, it's, it's one and the other. They, they go hand in hand. Um, and I think my, my favorite moment of the series was seeing Muncie and Mookie Betts and Blake Trinan gives yes. the death stare of all time, uh, just chirping at the Padres dugout. Well, mostly at Machado, just to go back to his dugout. Um, that was my favorite Mookie Betts moment as the Dodgers so far, for sure. Uh, and, you know, I, I love seeing that emotion. Uh, I love seeing the players, you know, stick up for each other uh, and basically get into the game. Uh, Machado's just an all-time fake tough guy. Like he's an all-time fake tough guy. He'll he'll yeah. start something and then like whisper to his friend like, "Yo, like hold me back real quick. Like don't let me like do anything, but like just hold me back." Uh, he's like an all-time just all all for appearances. Uh, he's got a lot to prove. He he made that, you know, everyone knows he made that bet with that Dodger fan that they'll win a World Series before the Dodgers. Signs a lucrative contract. Played for the Dodgers before, so he's got a lot to play for. He 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 obviously wanted to win this bad. Um, and trying to, you know, puff out his chest and, 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 you know, be that guy. We all know one person in our lives who is that guy. Uh, and he is that guy for the San Diego Padres. And then we had to watch Eric Cosmer literally high five, like 10 guys in a row, including, I think like the water boy. So there, yeah, their celebrations are just, obnoxious. I like Eric Cosmer. He, he had a good, uh, post-game quote after the exchange, basically saying what we're repeating now. It's like, you know, celebration goes both ways and, you know, we got we to gotta back it up. I, li- I like Cosmer. Yeah. Shout out to Will Smith going five hits in that game three 
breaking yep. a Dodgers franchise record. And the first catcher ever to do it in the postseason. And and like JT said after the game, he was saying that like because because up until that point, Will Smith was 0 for 11, and Justin Turner was like the 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 most unlucky. 0 for 11 in the history because he hit the ball ball extremely hard, a lot of loud outs, and uh, I'm glad that they finally started to fall for him. And Justin yeah, Turner think... breaks the Dodgers' all-time hit franchise mark for postseason hits, passing Steve Garvey. He has 64 hits, I believe. I really hope that the Dodgers re-sign him. I really do. Oh, I, they I, will. There's, there's no other – I don't see any possible scenario where he doesn't re-sign. He's, I just – yeah. He's the captain. I mean, he's he's that guy. I mean, he'll take a they'll pay him a fair price and he won't ask for something crazy. He wants to stay. There's no way he leaves. But back on the point, I I, I think you know, after even with his 0 for 11 and now his, you know, 5 for 6 or 5 for 5 or whatever it was, uh I think he's solidified as the I mean, he's been playing DH, but I think you can't take him out of the lineup. He's he's shown he can hit in this giant stadium. Uh, so even on Barnes catch days, I think you, you have to play him at the DH, even though, <laughs> even though you guys <laughs> knew this was coming, uh, Jock Peterson didn't hit a home run as you heard me predict on this last episode. Uh, but he had some two pretty big hits. Uh, and I had yes. faith in this guy. This guy does show up in the postseason. He can roll out of bed, get a couple RBIs, maybe hit a home run in this, this giant coffee tin of a stadium. Uh, but, I think you got to go with Smith. Uh, I think yeah. you really do. I don't want to take that. I thought you were. I thought you were about to praise Austin Barnes. No, no. He Austin Barnes does. It. He does. Look, everyone's hitting. Austin Barnes deserves credit. Uh, he definitely deserves to be in the lineup when Kershaw's pitching. Uh, I mean, you can't. You just can't start him over Will Smith. And I'm going to give some love to right Austin now. Barnes in a minute, but, but I yeah, want to let you. I'll let you. I want to continue with the back down game three. I don't want to take away these guys' thunder because they. I mean, you obviously have to make contact no matter who the pitcher is. But I'll be honest. I was kind of bored watching game three. I felt like the Padres threw in the towel from the start with going with Marejon. But besides that, I wasn't sure if I was watching a postseason team or a futures game because yes, but but wasn't that delicious as a Dodgers fan who's experienced oh, yes. so much just anxiety and heartbreak? <laughs> wasn't that just great to watch yes. like a regular season playoff game? It was really nice to not have to stress for the the majority of a series was very refreshing and I, yeah, just the whole point was Padres fans thought they were in our league. Clearly, the outcome showed it wasn't even close. Okay, are you guys ready to talk about the bad? I'm just going to open with this statement, and then you guys can elaborate and give your thoughts. But I'm just going to say this statement right now. (laughs) I felt Dave Roberts did not manage this series very well. God. I agree. I mean, game one – all right, first of all, let's just give credit where credit is due. In game one, he did manage really well. Game one was good. Every lever he pulled was, you know, on point – um, the way he, you know, even used Kenley Jansen at the end, I thought was really good. Him, you know, following up a Blake Trinan and all of that. I mean, look, the Dodgers are up five to one. Kenley, um, that's, that's a perfect situation for him. You know, um, not pitching on a back-to-back. He obviously is, you know, not the guy he once was. So we got to treat him as that. And what he showed us in the wild card series versus the Brewers is that he just doesn't have it anymore. He was throwing in the high 80s. It didn't look good. And it forced Dave Roberts to use Gratterall in game two to close out the Brewers series. And I thought that was going to be the plan going out throughout the playoffs. There are two things you can't do with Kenley Jansen anymore. You can't put him in a save situation, three runs or less, and you can't pitch him on back-to-back nights. What does he do in game two? The exact exact thing you're not supposed to do with him and what do you what do you expect he he basically almost you know melted down and then on top of that you bring in joe kelly yeah i mean you know did did dave roberts not watch game five of the nlds <laughs> in 2019 I'm glad you oh, oh my god i had such ptsd watching that again that was not i mean look we we the dodgers have an elite bullpen and we don't have to put ourselves in this situation. But for some reason, Dave Roberts does put us in this situation. And I thank God this team has been Dave Roberts proof so far because that game, what, what happened in game two, after Bellinger robbed Tatis Jr. in the seventh inning, the Dodgers tack on two more runs. You're up six to three. 
you don't bring in Kenley Jansen in the ninth. You or just at least don't do it anymore. Give him a short leash. But okay. you can't give him a short leash because because of the three batter minimum rule. Well, the other thing worth mentioning, this wasn't the heart of the Padres lineup that we actually started with. It was like the six. I think yeah, we start with the six. It was hitter. the bottom. It was, it was the, the bottom. bottom. And he showed don't up. care. Don't Let care. Me... Go ahead. Okay. I'm going to take a very unpopular opinion right now. Aside from two moves, Dave Roberts managed that series wonderfully. I can't believe I'm saying this, but that, that is the case. Uh, he handled basically every pitching change except for two well. Uh, and my problem is the one that Jake already brought up, I like how he pulled Kenley Jansen. Could have pulled him a batter early. Could have pulled him, you know, one or two batters early. But you know, if you're gonna, if he's gonna be the closer, then I can't blame him for for putting him in. Uh, but I can blame him for bringing Joe Kelly. In. Yeah, that was bad. Uh, that that was the mistake. Uh, he somehow Joe Kelly bailed him out after walking Tatis and Machado, which you know could have uh, looks like a benefit at this point, even though it wasn't intentional. Uh, and my second issue with Dave Roberts was. A lot of people hated what they did in game three with using Dustin May as an opener going to going to Julio Reyes. A lot of people were like, oh, why not? Why, why do you take out Dustin May? No, uh, that, was the, that was the plan the entire time. It was pretty clear that that was the plan the entire time. They used Dustin May in game one. They wanted, they wanted to have him available for game five for at least a couple innings. You know, had, should have gone there after Bueller. Uh, so this was the plan. That was not the mistake. The only other mistake he made was he got a little too cute and tried to go with the bridge guy, Adam Kalerik, instead of just bringing yeah. in Julio Arias after. That is that, the only two things he did wrong. That was the issue. That was the issue there. Uh, taking out Dustin May was not the issue. Uh, that was the plan the whole time. And that let's let's also clarify that this comes up from, you know, Friedman and the front office too. This is not just a sole, you know, Dave Rauer's decision. I don't care what he says after the game. Uh, this is a organizational decision. So right. aside from that, uh, he did pretty damn well in this series. And, you know, luckily this team is Dave Roberts proof so far. Uh, but those are the only two things I can gripe about. I actually have a problem with the whole opener plan. I don't have a problem that once they went, once they went with that plan, that they ended up taking out Dustin May early. Here's my problem with that plan. You've got this bubble atmosphere in the playoffs where every single game is back to back to back with a few days in between each series. This Dodgers bullpen is elite. It's, it was arguably overused in the regular season and it gets even more intense in the postseason. The Dodgers have the luxury, unlike the Padres who don't have a, you know, didn't have a great starting rotation because they were you know, essentially down Lamette and Clevenger was a non-factor. So they didn't have any starting pitching. They had to use bullpen days. I would caution against using a bullpen day when you don't have to use one, especially up 2-0 in this series. And my big question is, is Tony Gonsolin still alive? Because <laughs> yeah. I don't understand why they don't use him. Oh, they will. He yeah. would have been perfect for this game three. And to me, to get cute like they did in that game with Kalerik, it almost was a disaster. Because then you got to bring in uh, Urias to face Tatis Jr., lefty versus righty, with the bases loaded and two out. And much like Joe Kelly did in game two, Urias bailed out Roberts in game three. And that was the biggest moment of game three, in my opinion, because yeah. the, the Padres didn't do anything after that offensively. I, I agree with your sentiment about the bullpen days, for sure. But in this case, I like it. You want to know why? Give it who, to me. who would start for the Padres in game four? It would be Chris <laughs> Paddock. They have no other option. They use every single pitcher but him. It would be Chris Paddock versus Tony Gonsolin. And I'm a betting man, and I would put my money on, do on the Dodgers in that but game. So, yes. I, I agree. I, but when you, have, when you have a team against backs against the wall, they have no other options. You step on, on their throat and you don't get cute. That's, that's my right? only thing. But then you got to play out the whole scenario. So let's say they do, the, they do what they did in game three. Let's say they lose game three. They use May for an inning, uh, Urias for five, and you know a couple other guys for one. Uh, let's say they flip that. They go Gonsolin in game three and they lose that game. Then they're going to have to go May and Urias. Uh, and the bullpen, uh, and then that bullpen is gassed. If they lose that game, then you go to game five with who knows what we're going to get from Bueller and, uh, and a worn-down bullpen. So I think they were staggering it. 
uh, is my view of what happened. All right, I'm stepping in. We're, we're overanalyzing this a little way too much. The way to look at it is this is almost like an earliest start. He just came out of the pen. The only yeah. the, the issue is the choleric in the second was yes. unnecessary. Yes. And Tadis Jr. on record basically said, real hitters hit in the postseason. Well, he screwed up in that scenario, and he didn't I – don't I don't think he had an RBI in that series. But the, the other issue that I do want to bring up is Dave Roberts has to stop overusing Blake Trinan. Was he really needed in all three games when we had Floro and – I mean, you could even have used Gonsolin for an inning or two in that He's just game. that good, Kevin. He's going to Brandon Morrow him, and he's going to have no gas left by the I time know. we get to the World Series, and it's bad. I agree. I agree. Game, but, three, game three was not very necessary to use him. It was not necessary. All right. I think it's time to talk some Braves. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. So the Atlanta Braves, also coming into the NLCS without a postseason loss, they went 35-25 and 25 in the regular season. The difference is the Braves kind of had an easy road to get there. Yes, the Dodgers faced the Brewers, who couldn't hit either, but the Reds literally couldn't score a single run in the NLDS. Then, I mean, the wild card game. And then in the NLDS, they faced who? Don Mattingly's Miami Marlins. Is that a real playoff test? The Dodgers faced a solid Padres team. You could argue they're better than the Braves. I, on the other side, don't agree with that take. We can go in depth why in a second. But yeah, this is going to be in Texas again at the same ballpark. So advantage Dodgers. So you guys can agree or disagree, but I actually love the format of not having any off days. I think this is going to really benefit the Dodgers. And I'll go in depth in a second. Why? With the Braves' lack of pitching. But what are your early thoughts with the Dodgers and Braves? What are you looking at in this series? Um, you know, I, I, uh, yes and no to the no days off. Uh, obviously, it, it favors the Dodgers because they do have more pitching depth uh, for sure. Uh, but, you know, this is going to be a series where the Dodgers are going to have to use this bullpen a lot. Uh, the Braves offense is very, very solid overall. Uh, some of their top hitters haven't even really hit that well yet. Um, but I think the thing that I'm most concerned about would be uh, not Max Freed, but Ian Anderson. Uh, this dude is a very, very good pitcher. Uh, he has a he has an elite changeup, and the Dodgers have struggled with changeups historically in the past and this season. Uh, so I think basically, if the, if the Dodgers offense you know does what it does does what it did in this last series, they'll be fine. Uh, you know, I'm hearing a lot about this Braves starting pitching. They haven't allowed any runs. They haven't done that. Uh, but yeah, as Kevin mentioned, I mean, they've played the Marlins basically uh, It's and the Reds. So two not very good offenses. They haven't seen an offense like the Dodgers all year. Uh, so I, I think they're okay. And and who is their fourth starter? Is it going to be Inoa? Is it gonna, who's it going to be? So uh, we have the advantage there with, with Gonsolin, May, and Arias ready to go. So uh, I think we'll be okay. I was uh, pretty disappointed when I started looking up this Braves roster that uh, Mike Fultonevich was not on it yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> because I remember uh, facing him a couple years ago and uh, it was, it was pretty nice, but I think this Braves starting pitching is, is okay. Um, obviously Ian Anderson has been great. Uh, he's two and zero so far this postseason, 11 and two thirds innings, uh, 17 strikeouts that leads the, the staff. Uh, he hasn't allowed an earned run yet. And he's got a whip of uh, 0.69, three walks. So nice. he's been um, – exactly, not very nice. Um, and so he's, he's been their, their best pitcher. I think uh, Max Fried, who is, who is good, but I don't, I, don't, I don't foresee the Dodgers having too many issues with him. And see um, Little League legend, by the way, Max Fried. Oh, yes, you're, yes, you're right. Exactly right. A local Fun fact, player. I played on a little uh, Encino Little League all-star team with Max Fried. Nice. So you yeah. know. So so you so you've been scouting him for quite some time. I have. Yes. <laughs> All right. We'll get your take on him in a second. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, in in terms of their bullpen, though, their bullpen has actually been uh pretty solid so far this postseason. They've got Mark Melanson. Uh, they've got uh yeah. Will Smith. Um, and they but they only have more two fake news. It's more fake news. Um, they they've only got two lefties. Uh, Will Smith and AJ Minter. Um, but the bullpen's been pretty solid so far this this postseason. But again, they they're not face they have not faced an elite offense like the Dodgers. Yeah, more on Max Fried. 
people go, oh, he's a lefty, therefore he's going to give the Dodgers trouble. I don't know if that's true in this guy's case. In the past, the Dodgers have actually historically owned this guy. I think one yeah. time they actually injured him because he got roughed up so bad. Yeah, they had a comebacker after score, comebacker at him after scoring like four runs. I think Bellinger and Turner homered in that game, if I recall. Yeah, so the thing with Freed is he's not a swing and miss type of guy, which I think will actually favor the Dodgers. He doesn't throw that hard. He relies a lot on soft contact. He doesn't give up home runs. Well, we don't expect ball home runs to be hit in this ballpark anyways. If the Dodgers do what they've been doing, be patient, wait for their pitch, work the guys' count, yeah, then I agree with your guys' assessment. Ian Anderson might be the actual scarier pitcher. He's only 22. He's still very young. He hasn't faced a team like the Dodgers. He hasn't faced a Mookie Betts yet. And then after those two guys, it's a total crapshoot. I mean, if Kyle Wright is really their third starter, then there's no excuse for us to not pummel this clown he went two and four with a 563 era 155 whip that's just embarrassing like no postseason team should be going with a third starter who has an era over six and i understand they have some injuries with soroka and cole hamels but it might they might be better pitching soroka on one leg than going with whoever these other guys they have as a starter are yeah basically go ahead jake no i was just gonna i was gonna say that um what you know, I think that the Dodgers will have to be on the lookout or not on the lookout, but they'll have to be wary of the, of this lineup that hasn't woken up yet because there aren't, there isn't one hitter in this lineup that is hitting uh, over 300 except for Travis Darnot, who is absolutely tearing the cover off the ball. And uh, I don't know what happened to him since he <laughs> left the Dodgers. He was, he was with the Dodgers for about a half an hour and then he went, he went and uh, played with the Rays, and he's just been absolutely tearing it up. Um, he, in, the, in, the, in the rest of 2019 with the Rays, he hit 16 home runs, uh, 16 doubles, drove in 67 runs, and had a 295 bat bip. And then this year, in 44 games, he slashed 321, 386, 533, hit nine home runs, eight doubles, and 34 RBIs. And then in the in this postseason, he's hitting 421. He's got two home runs, two doubles, seven RBIs, and he has a 500 bat pip. And and without him, I don't I don't know that the Braves would would be where they are right now in the postseason. Yeah, he's a good catcher and a good framer for that matter. But I mean, leave it to the Mets for to just release good players and then them blossom somewhere else. Maybe Darnold had a beautiful training session one day with our hitting coach, Robert Van Soyuk, and it just turned his career around. Who knows? He was here for like five minutes. Yes. But, okay, another thing that we haven't talked about, they've also been playing in the, the train station in Houston, the little baby miniature ballpark in Houston. Uh, and that's going to be quite a wake-up call when they, when they move on over to the airplane hangar. Uh, so, you know, and this is a team that relies on power. They're going to have to be – the Dodgers are going to have to worry about Adam Duvall, Freddie Freeman, uh, Austin Riley. All these guys can hit the ball out of the park. Uh, but, again, this park is massive, so I, I, I could see a, a lot of deep flyouts uh, from these guys. And something else to point out, Acuna Jr. and Ozuna have struck out about 50% of their plate appearances this, this, this postseason. Uh, so these guys, you know, we can, we can strike these guys out. Uh, this is not uh, an overpowering offense yet. Uh, they have the potential, but so far against the Marlins and the Cubs or the the Reds, they have not done so. This is a very similar uh, lineup to the one that we faced uh, in was it twenty eighteen or seventeen? Twenty eighteen. Uh, every year they play the Braves in the NLDS. Yeah, so this is a very similar lineup, and and again they're not they're not producing right now. But I mean, obviously you've got to be wary of Freddie Freeman, Acuna Jr., Asuna. Um, Nick Markakis, Dansby Swanson, Ozzie Albies, those guys are, you know, they've got a really decent lineup uh, and they just haven't hit yet. And I don't, I don't foresee that getting better in this, uh, in this new ballpark because you can hit well at Minute Maid Park. And, and, and what we've seen so far in Globe Life Field is that Globe Life Field does not like offense. Yeah, this, home runs are not going to play as much. This is basically the Padres lineup but a slightly upgraded and more experienced playoff version. Do I think they compare to the Dodgers in any sense? No. If you look at all the categories, the Dodgers beat them in 
practically everything. But the Braves were close. You look at everything, they were in the top five to top three in just about every offensive stat. So this is a good lineup. You know, we can't sell him short. Freddie Freeman is probably my favorite hitter on this team. I mean, he's just an established first baseman, the best in the league at this point. In a limited 60-game sample, I mean, he slashed 341, 462, 1.1 OPS in, in its entirety. He crushes the fastball, 431 average. But against the breaking and off-speed stuff, he's actually not as good as you might think. 246 against the curves, 176 against the change-ups. Um, Adam Duvall, you guys brought up. He has 16 home runs, and he's kind of got some weird splits. 13 of them actually came against righties, but he only hit 224. He's known for being a lefty masher, but he only had three home runs against lefties, but he did hit 277. And then what makes this Braves team better than they were in 2018 when we beat them in four? Marcelo Zuna has always been a guy that kind of sticks it to the Dodgers. I feel like every time we face him, he does hit one home run, and he was really good this year as their DH. 18 home runs and 56 RBIs. So Ozuna is definitely a good bat that they added this offseason. And then Ronald Acuna Jr. has not been himself this season, but he did have an on base of over 406. So guys are walking him a lot. But the power wasn't there like it's been in the past. I don't know what the slow start was all about. But he did hit a grand slam off Walker Bueller in Bueller's first postseason outing, Yeah, if, if you remember that. Yeah. So we beat them in 2013 and 2018. Those were the two times we actually faced them in this uh, division era title run or whatever. But that's all I got on the Braves offense other than Austin Riley, a young third baseman who has some pop, but he's hitting 077 against off-speed pitches. And then I like Dansby Swanson. The D-bags gave him up for – Shelby Miller, what a disaster that was. Swanson's a pretty good shortstop. And he kind of looks like Charlie Culberson. Yeah, just one more thing um, on the bullpen since, you know, I, I didn't get to talk about that. Well, Mark Melanson. Yeah. We're going to talk about the bullpen. Okay. Kick it off. All right. So Mark Melanson, Will Smith, Chris Martin, Darren O'Day, and Tyler Matzik are basically their, their five guys. Shane Green, you know, occasionally, but they, they normally stick with those five guys. They're very good. Uh, you know, they're hittable, uh, but in this postseason, they've been pretty much unhittable. I think the only one who's given up a run of those guys is Chris Martin, uh, and the rest have not given up a run, which to me sounds like they're due. Uh, if you if you follow baseball at all, relievers do not keep this up forever. It just doesn't happen. Uh, they're going to give up runs, and it's going to be this series. I don't know which one it's going to be. I don't know who's going to blow it, but one of these guys will blow it. Tyler Matzik, good story, though, was out of the league for four years, was living in a van by the river or something, and now he's retired like 26 in a row batters, been one of the, the top relievers in the, in the postseason. So it's a good story, but I think his, his story will, will end here in this round. All right, now that we're on the subject of bullpens, this is where I'm going to throw out my Klein take. Last week I said the Dodgers would beat the Padres by 10-plus runs, and I was very close. I forgot to factor in the ballpark, but I'm going to take my W anyways. So this week – my take is that the Braves bullpen is going to have one of the biggest monumental collapses in postseason history. I don't care what the numbers say. I, I have my eyes, and I've seen the level of competition these relievers have faced. First of all, Chris Martin, go back to Coldplay, dude. You're not anything <laughs> special. And then Mark Melanson, he's basically washed Kenley Jansen dating back to three years ago. I honestly don't know how he's still in the league. He's been rough. It was a disaster for the Giants. And then, you know, Will Smith hasn't been that great this season as well. He's given up some hard contact for sure. And then Shane Green, awful. I'm sure we'll see him. And A.J. Minter, another guy who's just been league average his entire career. So the point is, I think this Braves bullpen is going to get tired fast. The lack of starting pitching is really going to hurt the Braves by game three we're going to see them waving the white flags and there might not even be any point to watching a game four. that kind of is an allusion to what, how I think this series is going to turn out, but this Braves bullpen frauds. Yeah. I mean, they're due to not be elite. <laughs> yeah. So sorry. I, I wanted to say, yeah. So as David pointed out, they're due. So they last, are due. the last thing we can just say real quick, if you want to participate, who do you think is going to be the NLCS MVP? 
Oh man. Um, well, I think this this Braves team is is a is a very competitive team. Uh, I think the Dodgers will win the series. I think it'll go six. Uh, I don't know which games they'll win or they'll lose, uh, but I think this is a series that Mookie Betts just absolutely feasts yeah. on. Uh, he matches up well with pretty much every pitcher in the in the Braves rotation. Uh, he's he's starting to come alive. He's he's in big spots. Uh, we saw Bellinger have his playoff moment uh, last series, and I think Mookie Betts has his this series. I'm gonna go Dodgers in five. I think the Braves will get one. Like we were talking about, I don't know who else would start for them other than the three guys we talked about. And I don't, and I'm not too sold on right. Um, but I think the Dodgers will, um, because they know the ballpark, they know the territory. They're going to, they're going to really grind out at bats. Just the same game plan that they had for San Diego. They're going to have for the Braves. And I think that the Dodgers much like against the Brewers, we were talking about how, they need to get to the, the Brewers starters early because they don't want what's in the back end of their bullpen and, and Josh Hader. Um, little did we know that Devin Williams wasn't going to be in that series. But I think because the Braves' strength is their bullpen versus their starting rotation, I want to look to see that the Dodgers grind out at bats and really uh, put up big numbers in the, uh, in the first five innings. So I'm thinking Dodgers in five, and my NLCS MVP is going to be Cody Bellinger. I think he's seen the ball really well. He, had, he was the only one, uh, I believe, to hit a home run for the Dodgers in that series uh, against the Padres. Yeah, he was. And uh, he's seen the ball really well, and I, th- I, think, he's, I think he's coming around. And, and he's going to prove all those uh, Cody Bellinger postseason naysayers, um, and he's going to come through with, a, with the MVP. You know who else I think has a big moment in this series is Chris Taylor. Uh, he's been a little quiet. Uh, I think he comes in with a, with, a, with a big hit this series. All right, here are my two final thoughts on this series. The first one being Clayton Kershaw, kind of dating back to 2017, is off to a very quiet but strong postseason start that I don't think he's getting enough credit for throughout the media. And he's historically owned this Braves team. And I'm talking about the postseason. I think he'll do it again, pitch another great gem. But this Braves team, they are going to put up some runs, so obviously the Dodgers are going to have to do their end and score too. But I'm also picking Mookie Betts to be the NLCS MVP. I think he's going to have a historic series. I think he'll hit over 400, go deep at least once, a couple doubles thrown in there. And stick it to everyone who said before the Dodgers actually had acquired him, and there were some haters saying this guy can't hit in the postseason. Well, so far, Mookie Betts is doing everything for the Dodgers, and I think he's going to carry them, and they're going to reach the World Series. All right, let's do some fun stuff now, our original out-of-left-field segment. I have a quick one if you want me to start it up. Start yeah, it off. Do it. Off. A, do it. All right. So uh, this kind of came to my mind, I think, a week and a half ago, and I was going to do it last week, but we didn't have time, so I'm going to do it this week. People – that go on hikes or work out with their boom boxes or just people that go on hikes. <laughs> no, the people that work out or have their boom boxes blasting their crappy rap music are literally the worst. First of all, a lot of us, when we're on hikes, we just want a peace of mind and quiet and to hear, you know, the fresh air and the animals chirping. I don't need, um spaghetti moms on my vomit on my sweater shit going (laughs) no one wants that that's why they invented headphones and if you don't have your headphones and you just want to play it on your phone fine but the people that actually like go out of their way to hike with a boombox are literally the worst does that apply at the beach as well i think so people that bring their loud stereo to blast music they're kind of annoying too yeah, because I, I've been known, I mean, sometimes when I'll go to the beach, I'll, I'll bring the little, you know, the portable speaker and I'll, I'll play, I'll play music. I won't be too loud, but another thing I, I consider the people around me and I try to figure out what kind of music they would like as well. I'm not just playing exactly what I want to hear. I'm like, oh, maybe those people will like this song. I'll play that song. So I'm a considerate music player at the beach. I think, at least. I think in the same, 
vein, I, I dislike people who have speakerphone conversations out loud in public in That's front of the, everybody. That is, that is the worst. That sucks. Because it's, it's like, like, it's just like, they'll, they'll be like, oh yeah, like, yeah, I got to close that like million dollar deal. Like, yeah, one second, like, hold on. Like I, I got some, some poverty people around me. I, I got to like do this real quick. It's just like, just save it, save it. Right. Yeah. And, and also the people with the Bluetooth uh, earpiece is just obnoxious. <laughs> I, I actually think that's funny. I, I support those people. <laughs> Um, my out of left field is just a, just a question. Um, do, does it matter if we, um, separate our, our darks and our lights and laundry? Like, yeah. like, does it actually like matter? Like I, I've washed, you know, uh, colorful clothes and white clothes all together, uh, in harmony um, why, why must we segregate them? I don't understand. Does it, I've not really had a shirt that's been ruined uh, as a result or, or a pair of pants that, that has been ruined as a result. I think it's a hoax and, and I don't really know why we, we, we have that in society. I, I don't, I've probably done that once in my life, uh, but I, I completely agree. I, I don't buy it. I think it's just a way for the laundry companies and the power companies to get us to do more laundry. Uh, Screw you, Tide. Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, I get it for like, if you just bought a new shirt and it like may like bleed on your whites or whatever. Uh, so I get it if it's like the first time you're washing something. Uh, but me personally, I, I, I just don't bother. Kevin? Up? Um, are you a white Starks guy or you just put them no, in the middle? I don't guy? care, but I do notice yeah. that my socks kind of get a little messed up, but maybe that's just the dryer's fault. I don't know. Yeah, but who cares about your socks? You put them in shoes anyway. No one sees them. Exactly. That's why I don't sweat it. I don't really have many white shirts to begin with, so. I'm like a huge white shirt guy. Uh, like, if you probably, you guys have probably noticed. <laughs> I have like, I have like nine of the same comfortable white shirt because it's so damn comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and occasionally, like, if I'm, if I'm seeing them get faded, I'll put them all in one load with a tiny bit of bleach whiten them up a little bit but other than that I, i'm with you jake are they hanes thank you no they're uh i forget the brand but I'll, I'll i'll send you the brand they're just the best kind of shirts i've ever worn in my life okay uh my uh out of left field is this is on the show friends uh i cannot stand this show and Preach. it's not and it's not because the show is that bad per se I, I mean, me personally, I've, I've seen friends of mine have put it on. Have I laughed once? No, I haven't. I don't know if it's the studio audience. I don't know if it's whatever it is, but it's my problem with it is it's the most glorified show in the history of the world. Uh, yes, I get it that like back then it was like the show and like it was like the thing. Uh, but now I don't understand why we're glor- glorifying it right now. I, I just don't get it. There's so many better shows out there. Uh, I think... There, I, can't, I can't even start, begin to name shows better than it because I, we'd be here all day. Uh, okay, do better sitcoms when you're done with your thought. You know, I'm personally, like, I just don't <laughs> The Office. Watch. Yes, thank you. That's, not, is, that's done. Oh, you Friends mean like... Cr- done for 20 years. You're talking, talking about, about current. current. I don't know. I haven't, I don't, exactly. I haven't seen a current sitcom. I think There's that... nothing funny out there. Two well, Broke yeah, Girls. But, I just, I just, that's just not my genre of of show. It's not. But again, my problem, I I respect people who like that show. I get it. You like it. You laugh to it. Sure. That's fine. That's your thing. But my problem is it's so glorified. It is the most glorified TV show in the history of the world. And for what reason? For what reason? Here's the thing. I I've always been, I've always been a Seinfeld fan. That is my all time favorite sitcom and i think one of the reasons i i love seinfeld so much is because it has uh we've worked it into our everyday lexicon like there are so many phrases from that show like the soup nazi or you know being a close talker or being a regifter and like all of those terms have worked worked you know uh have have stood the test of time I don't know any phrases from friends. I don't know any, you know, anything that's been, you know, everlasting. And I'm with you. I've seen a couple, I've seen a bunch of episodes of friends and maybe I've smirked once or twice, but honestly, I, I think it's, 
I think it's a lot of smoke. And it's just, it's way too, it's way too hyped up in my opinion. Similarly, the Big Bang Theory, I think is awful. How I think I met everyone your, agrees on that. How I Met Your Mother is terrible. No, but there are no, people no, that, no, I mean, no. I feel like, I feel like they're the same type of people that like Friends. Yeah, okay. it's just like, why, why are we still glorifying this show? Like you said, I've watched Seinfeld. Do I love it? No. Have I watched it all the way through? No. Have I laughed at it? Yes, I have. And I respect that. It's a good show. That show, like you said, it, it you know, contributed something. Friends is just like, my, my best friend literally loves that show. And he, is, he will die on the hill that it's like the best show of all time. I'm like, yep. dude, tell me why exactly you like the show. It's just like, it's a story of like comedy and love and friendship. I'm just like, dude, stop it. Just <laughs> stop it. Spare me, dude. Like there's so many better shows. And as we're talking about this, I don't know if this qualifies as a sitcom, but Curb Your Enthusiasm is hysterical. Yes. Give me that which, over all of these anytime. Which is the same creator as Seinfeld. That's fair. Right. I'm, not, I'm not necessarily <laughs> hating on Seinfeld, but Curb Your Enthusiasm is legitimately hilarious. Okay, hey, well, here's the thing with Friends, and I'm not here to defend it. Have I ever went out of my way to put Friends on? No. Does that mean it's a bad show? No. Joey? You probably don't even know who that is, but Matt LeBlanc. Is, yeah, Matt LeBlanc, the actor, but Joey, the character I'm, I want to talk about. Dude is hilarious. He's like one of the biggest players in TV history. Yeah, but then, but then, but You're then they had about, a spinoff. They had a spinoff. Don't care. I don't and care it, about the and spinoff. It died. I don't care about the freaking spinoff. Spinoffs always are a disaster, other than like a couple outliers, like um, Frazier, right? Um, anyways, you want to hear a catchphrase? How you doing? How you That's doing? Not anything. That's just asking me how I'm doing. <laughs> like, it's just like I said. Like, if you like Friends, like that's fine. Like, I don't. I'm, I'm not gonna. I don't. I don't. I've never laughed at it ever. Will okay, I watch well, it ever? No. My problem is stop glorifying it. The closing thought for me is: Why are people watching Friends? Probably because every sitcom on television is horrible right now. Network TV is dead. Modern Family is not funny. I don't want to watch The Ranch on Netflix. Never heard of it. <laughs> it's Ashton Kutcher. Uh, Two and a Half Men was a disaster, also with Ashton Kutcher towards the end. Thank God they cut that one off. I like that show before him. Yeah, Charlie Sheen. I've, I've laughed at that show. Charlie I have, Sheen so I can, I'm not going to yell at it. I'm not here to talk about Charlie Sheen. There are no good sitcoms on right now. If I'm like missing out on something, people, please send them my way. I literally do not watch any sitcoms because one, they're not funny, and two, they're just annoying these days. And it's well, have you seen have you seen Shit's Creek? I've that's pretty about, funny. I've heard some that's things. A show people are that, talking about that. You want to talk about a show that's glorified? There you go. I I think it's pretty funny. It's <laughs> never, it's a lot. Never seen it's, it. But but yes, any any well that's that's a, you know that's like something that that I don't know if it's on uh, network or cable or whatever, but like generally speaking, the, the shows that are on like CBS, ABC, NBC. Yeah. Yeah. They all suck. Friends is trash. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. Friends sucks. You probably just lost us some listeners. Thanks a lot. I mean, I don't hate you for liking it, <laughs> but it's, that doesn't change the fact that it's just bad. All right. It's time to close this out before we give our final thoughts. Let's just, Recap the rest of the postseason real quick. We'll start with the Tampa Bay Rays advancing to the ALCS. And people want to hate on Kenley Jansen for blowing saves. Araldis Chapman is that guy. He does this on an annual basis. And, I mean, thankfully the Yankees fleeced the Cubs and they got Gliber Torres for Chapman when they gave him to the Cubs. Otherwise, I, I don't know where this Yankees team would be. Chapman sucks, and he's a horrible person. You can read about it online if you don't know what I'm talking about. Um, so was that your final thought? Or <laughs> you can talk about the Astros if you Chapman want. There's, being that, a jerk. There's, that, there's the Astros, too, if you want to touch okay. on them. Yeah, my final thought is this. Carlos Correa is the most insufferable athlete on the planet. Uh, he is a good baseball player. They're hitting well, but they're also playing at Dodger Stadium during the daytime. Uh, let's see how they do when they're playing a night game, you know, not at Dodger Stadium. Uh, but my final—where where are they going? Petco Park now? Yeah, they're going to Petco. Uh, no more, no more hot air to help them. 
my final thought is this. I want the Astros in the World Series. I oh, want, you do now? I do. I do. I've thought about it. I want them in the World Series. The Rays are good. Uh, I think we, the Dodgers are capable of beating everyone. But I want the Dodgers to take out the trash themselves. I hate this team. I hate Carlos Correa. And the Dodgers match up extremely well with the Astros. Broken down Grinky, overrated bullpen, Dusty Baker, noted choke artist. Uh, I want them. Bring me the Astros on a silver platter. I'm a little wary of that, only because I don't know. Embrace the fear, Jake. Embrace the fear. I don't know if I can handle another, another postseason. If if we lose to the Astros, then we deserve to lose. They won't. I guess. I guess you're right. I guess you're right. But but I think that even if the Astros make it to the World Series and they lose to us, they're you know their their fans aren't aren't gonna feel bad. They're gonna be like, oh my god, we were an under 500 team. Don't care. Made the playoffs, made it all the way to the World Series. The thing, the You're thing, right. that, You're the, right. thing that, the thing that pisses me off most about about the Astros and their in, in their narrative is this victim card that they're playing. It's like, dude, you guys cheated. You're not the victims. You victimized other people, and so yes. and so now now they're like, oh, the, everyone's hating on us. It's like. You're getting what you deserve because MLB didn't have the balls to give you what you deserve. And, 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 and to be honest, they're getting a freaking cakewalk. They got no fans in the stands. They made the postseason because they expanded the postseason, which is just ridiculous, to include two teams that were under 500. Never happened in the history of baseball. They are getting a, the, the VIP treatment in MLB. So yes, they deserve all the hate they're getting. And, and, and quite honestly, they're not getting enough hate. Okay. I want this answered in one sentence or less. Joe Buck and John Smoltz will be announcing the NLCS. Are you a fan of Joe Buck or John Smoltz? No and no. (laughs) Uh, No, I, I think, I think John, John Smoltz, first of all, I, I don't even know if he likes baseball. But he he doesn't he doesn't pretend like he's embracing the the new way of doing things. He talks about himself too much. Joe Buck doesn't like baseball either. I mean, he's a football guy. He'd be he'd rather be doing uh, football games. And his his voice his vocal range is literally one note. And what we what we learned is that the new the new face of Fox should be Joe Davis at some point my answer is do i like them no do i prefer them over anything anything espn does yes (laughs) that's the good answer i like joe buck i think he does a good job and no he doesn't hate the dodgers i don't care what people think john smoltz actively hates the dodgers john smoltz and ron darling both they despise the dodgers yes and smoltz is you know career-long Braves, yes. too, so we'll so see his bias. He's going to be defending the Braves all series long and just speaking in the Braves' perspective. Don't care. It's the Dodgers' revenge tour. Bring me, the, bring me the Astros. All right, I'm closing it out right now. Walker Bueller, Clayton Kershaw, Dustin May, Julio Urias, and Tony Gonsolin are all better than Max Freed. Bring it on. I embrace the seven consecutive days if necessary. No breaks. That means no Max Freed out of the bullpen. That means no Clayton Kershaw out of the bullpen. Mm. The Dodgers have all the depth in the world. We have five starters if needed. Braves have two. Ready to rock the house. Go Dodgers. My final thoughts are this. Along the lines of yours, let's bring on the Braves. I think the Dodgers have passed the hardest test so far this postseason, which was facing the San Diego Padres. Tatis Jr. is is a world-class baseball player. Manny Machado is a really good hitter. They shut those guys down. They can shut down this Braves lineup. I think that we shouldn't be using bullpen days when we don't need to. We have starting pitching that can go at length. And let's not use Blake Trinan every single game. We have other pitchers. Always ready. Always waiting. Victor Gonzalez. (laughs) Waiting in the corn stalks. And let's not use Kenley Jansen in a save situation. I don't want to see that ever again. He's done as the closer. We have better options. Yes, bring Edward Rios back if he's healthy. Bring him back. 
And no Alex Wood. Never Alex Wood. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, you guys said it. I, I want this team to do well. Uh, I think Dave Roberts is getting the message. I think he's learning as he's going here. Uh, I'm going to knock on wood right now. Uh, but, look, Brandon Woodruff, in my opinion, is better than both of these brave starters. Uh, I think the Dodgers will struggle with Anderson, but I think they'll get to him. He's 22. All they got to do is work the pitch count uh, like they have been all year. Uh, I think we're in good shape here. All right. Thank you for listening to The Incline. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on Twitter at The Incline Pod. Go Dodgers. Hopefully we bring you the World Series preview next. We're out. Astros suck. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.